You're listening to a podcast from Oasis Church Bath. To find out more about us, visit our website at www.oasisbath.org. A really brilliant preacher from the past who lived in America, who died um, perhaps 20 years ago now, was a man called Fred Craddock. In fact, he was a professor of preaching and communication and theology. And Fred grew up in Tennessee in the South. And he grew up in the days when uh, discrimination on the basis of your color was widespread across America. In the days before Martin Luther King, in the days before Selma Bridge and the Civil Rights Movement, he became a well-known professor. But every Christmas time, he used to travel back to Tennessee to his hometown. And he told this story, so it's his, not mine. He had a friend that he grew up with. His name was Buck. And Buck now ran a restaurant in their hometown. Fred and Buck were best friends. So every Christmas when Fred arrived back to visit his family, the first thing he'd do is he'd go see his friend Buck in the restaurant. But the restaurant was in Tennessee, and the South was well known for its discrimination. Blacks shouldn't enter the same restaurants as whites, or ride on the same buses, or go to the same toilets, or be served in the same queues as white people. This particular Christmas, Fred went into Buck's restaurant, as he always did. Buck always welcomed him, and gave him, I don't know if you've ever been to the south of America, but there's something they call chess pie. You should have some chess pie if you've never had it before. I don't think it's very good for you, but it enough tastes good. Chess pie and a coffee. But on this particular Christmas time, Fred walked in to see his old friend, and they greeted one another as they always did and threw their arms around one another. And then they walked to a corner of the restaurant and... Fred was expecting his slice of chess pie and a wonderful coffee. But Buck just sat there. He looked down and depressed. And so Fred said to him, what's wrong? Buck said, everything's wrong. Well, what's wrong? Buck said this, the curtain has to come down. Now, I need to pause the story and explain to you what the curtain was. In the Deep South, because restaurants needed to serve the whole population in order to survive economically, but because blacks weren't able to eat in the same restaurant as a white, what actually happened in buildings which had a back entrance on an alleyway um, the kitchen was erected in the middle of the restaurant, not at the back of the restaurant, but in the middle. And so the whites could come in from the front entrance and the black people used to have to enter from the back entrance on the alleyway. And the kitchen went in the middle and there was a curtain placed, a full-length curtain placed all the way down the middle of the restaurant so that as the white people enjoyed their food, they couldn't see the black people who had to come and go through a different entrance. So back to the story. Buck says to Fred... The curtain has to come down. Now, this is before Martin Luther King. The curtain has to come down. And Fred says to him, 
I've always thought the curtain should come down. Bring the curtain down. And Buck says to Fred, it's okay for you. You come in here each Christmas time. It's all right for you. I have to live here. I can't bring the curtain down. If I bring the curtain down, my business will die. I'll be bankrupt. So says Fred, then don't bring the curtain down. Leave the curtain up. Buck says, if I bring the curtain down, I lose my business. But if I keep the curtain up, I lose my soul. The curtain has to come down. A few months ago, I uh, had the privilege of being in Israel. And, uh, and some people offered to take me to uh, the place that Debbie's just been reading about and talking about, the shepherd's field at Bethlehem. In fact, uh, the historians pretty much know that where the shepherds were in the field when uh, they decided to go on this journey to Bethlehem. In actual fact, uh, when you go and see the geography of it, I don't know if you, those, many of you have been, it's pretty obvious that there's not much else, anywhere else they could have been. And there is this, Bethlehem's up a hill, and down below the hill are these fields, not as we'd know them, because it's rugged domain, and, and there's a cave, a big cave, and they believe that that's where these shepherds used to hang about and look after their sheep, because the cave gave them a place of safety in a storm. Uh, and in the cold, it can get pretty up, cold up on those hills. And that uh, theory has been given a little bit more credibility and proof because they found shepherd, you know, they dug down the archaeologists and they found kind of shepherd stools there. So because of that and because of the tourist trade, uh, this, this old cave and shepherd's field has now become a major tourist attraction. And it's been taken over by uh, the church, actually, and uh, they put gates on it, and uh, it, you know the, where the field is and where the cave is. So you can't just wander on. It's now a tourist attraction with gates, and uh, because uh, it's got gates and uh, uh, things, there's there's now a restaurant. And because there's a restaurant, there are other uh, places you can buy little, um, you know, souvenirs. You know, China gets everywhere. You know, there's Chinese souvenirs of, of cribs and, you know, shepherds and stuff like that and stars. And now on the gates, there's this thing because it's got so out of control, the tourist trade. Um, well, oh, the one last thing I should tell you is they decided to call it, you know, it's a theme park almost. So they decided to call it. The Holy Land. I mean, why wouldn't you? The Holy Land is behind these gates. But in these recent years, the tourists, there are just so many of them, they've decided to put some rules in. And so I wish I could show you this, but you have to take my word for it. There's a big sign on the gates, and it says, The Holy Land. And then underneath it says, Open Monday to Saturday, <laughs> 9 till 5. But they've had a cutback, and so they've written over the top, 9 to 4.30. And then underneath it says, no plates, no eating, no smoking. And that is just so everything about the curtain, isn't it? 
Because as Debbie said so beautifully, in actual fact, the story of Christmas is the story of the inclusion of everyone. As it's been spelt out through those wonderful readings we've heard, this news comes first to the shepherds, the outcasts, the forgottens, the people whose word didn't stand up in court. Shepherds were really like dustbin people of today. They were like, you know, the people, I don't want that job. I'm better than that job. The prejudice, in other words, is alive and well in our society. One of my best friends is a dustman, and he's a brilliant dustman. I love him. But he knows, and I know, there's all sorts of prejudices that exist in our society today, not just around L and G and B and T, all sorts of prejudices that are alive and well in our society. Rachel uh, Mann, uh, the transgender lesbian priest at uh, Manchester Cathedral now, uh, that wonderful poem read by Rachel. Rachel's a friend of mine. I have to tell you, she's most of the, one of the most lovely women I know. I just spent a Saturday with her a few weeks ago. We spoke at a conference together. She is truly beautiful and hugely intelligent. And that poem she wrote, is about inclusion. Rachel told me this when we sat together and had a coffee last month. She writes lots of poetry, and she said this to me. She said, there are some things, Steve, that are so true, so huge, so important, that you can only say them through poetry. She said this, have you noticed, Steve, that at a funeral, everybody resorts to poetry. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Even though I walk through the valley of death, I will fear no evil. Have you noticed how on Remembrance Day we turn to poetry? They will not grow old as we do. We read our first piece of poetry. I'll read it to you again from Isaiah. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. For all the boots of the trampling warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned up as fuel in the fire. That was written centuries before Jesus, and though we apply it to Jesus all the time, it wasn't actually written about Jesus. Check it out. It had meaning and purpose in the culture into which it was written in ancient Israel. A child will be born to us, a new king, who will bring us peace from our enemies who surround our gates and want to wipe us out. There is a great light. For all of us who live in this valley of darkness, there is hope for us. And then what happened centuries later, when Jesus was born, those who knew about the joy that his message would bring and he would bring, they took this ancient piece of poetry or prophecy because it spoke again into their situation. It needs to speak again into our situation. We live in a divided country. I don't need to tell you that a few days before everyone goes to vote. 
I simply need to say this, that when I cast my vote, which I will, I need to vote for the inclusion of everyone. I need to vote for us, not me. I need to vote for the welfare of everyone, not just the welfare of people like me. We're all in. That's the message of Christmas. Every single one of us is in, loved by God. As the New Testament says itself, love never fails. You're in. You're included. Every single one of us, as Joe said, not just accepted, not just tolerated, not even just welcomed, but celebrated by God, just as the shepherds. I've got a friend, and his name's Dave, and he's a vicar. In fact, he's just retired, a vicar in North London. Dave told me this story. A lady in his community died who he'd never met. But being an Anglican vicar, his was the job of conducting this funeral. He had no idea about her at all. So he asked to meet her daughter, Her daughter, in her late 40s, came to meet Dave, and they sat together over a glass of wine. And Dave said, tell me about your mum. She said, well, I I don't really know what to say. Dave's very skilled. He said, well, just tell me one story about your mum that sums her up. And immediately, her daughter's eyes lit up. And she said, oh, that's easy. Dave said, tell me the story then, and this is the story. This woman says, when I was a kid, we used to have a front lounge. We used to have a back room where we used to eat and live, and that's where the TV was and the kitchen. But we had a front lounge that was saved only for visitors. Every now and then, When someone in our family or someone important came, we were allowed into the front lounge, the best room, the front room. And there in the front room was a fire with a mantelpiece. And on the top of the mantelpiece stood a vase. And my mother used to tell me that that vase, it was beautiful and intricate and painted in so many colors. It was large. My mum used to tell me that that vase was the family heirloom. It had been given to her by her mother and given to her by her mother and her mother and her mother and it had been passed down through the family from one generation to another. It was our prized possession. But she used to tell me, one day it would be mine. Well, one day I couldn't wait any longer. I was seven So whilst my mum was in the kitchen cooking, I crept up the hall to the front room and I turned the door and opened it slowly so my mum wouldn't hear. And then I shut the door and I looked up at the mantelpiece and the heirloom, the vase that would one day be mine. Then I went over to it. And then I picked 
picked up one of the chairs and I put it in the mantel place by the fire. And then I decided to climb on the chair. And then I reached up and I looked again at the heirloom that would one day be mine that was so beautiful. And then I decided I just had to hold it for a moment. So I reached out and I held it. And at that moment, the chair toppled and the vase came out of my hands and I watched it in slow motion as it tumbled and tumbled and tumbled down into the hearth that was tiled and I saw it smash into a hundred thousand pieces on the ground with a great Boom, and then I screamed, and then I heard my mum coming up the hall. I heard her again in slow motion as she got closer and closer. I could hear her, and she came through the door, and she looked at me, and I was ready. And she walked across the room, and she looked at the smashed vase down in the hearth, and she looked up at me, and she threw her arms round me, and she said, Thank goodness. I thought you'd hurt yourself. And at that moment, she said, I realized I was the family treasure. You're all in. We're all in. We're all counted as in. We all matter. The Holy Land is never shut. We have access now, every one of us, the curtain has been torn down. Welcome to everyone, the message of Christmas. God bless you. You're listening to a podcast from Oasis Church Bath. To find out more about us, visit our website at www.oasisbath.org.